Would you please um, feel free to turn to your Bibles at home to Jonah 1. We're, gonna, we're going to continue our series on the book of Jonah. Let's see. There we go. Before we do that, would you please join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, be with us now to hear your words, to hear the words you have for us this morning from your, from your book, from, from the Bible. Lord, we know you're real and you try to get our attention. And we know that the Bible, the words you gave us, is the primary way that you speak to us today. Help us to listen. Holy Spirit, be in, work in our hearts to hear the words that you have for us today. Open our minds, open our hearts to receive your word of love and encouragement today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jonah 1, 3b to 4. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't really like overly complicated cars. I find simplicity in cars nice, I have very limited knowledge of cars, and so occasionally I can fix something as long as it's simple enough. But I think when it comes down to it, there's some things on cars that are just like not worthwhile. One time I, was rent I had a rental car, and I was driving along, and it was way more complicated than my own. And as I'm driving, all of a sudden, I see this flashing light and a loud beeping start sound starts like going off. And I'm like freaking out on the highway thinking, what's going on? What's wrong? I broke the car. Well, I figured, and this would happen all the time as I'm driving down the road. Trying, so the car, it was trying to get my attention in some way. Later I figured out, I learned that the car was telling me every time I got too close to the, the marker on the road. And it was so annoying and it just seemed so extreme that the car would feel the need to tell me every time, like I was in mortal danger. Such an extreme measure for some small little thing that I was doing wrong. And it reminds, uh, reminds me a little bit of the passage today of Jonah and how God is trying to get Jonah's attention. God's, you know, telling Jonah what he wants him to do. And I want, before, before we look deeper into the story, let's remind ourselves who Jonah is, who Jonah was. Uh, Jonah is probably a character a lot of us knew, a lot of us know in growing up. And in our Bible stories and Sunday school, it's a really nice lesson in that way. So we think of Jonah maybe as this hero, but I have to tell you, Jonah's not the hero of the story. Actually, Jonah's kind of a jerk. We'll talk probably more about this in later sermons, but Jonah 
is mentioned one other time in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 14, Jonah is a prophet for King Jeroboam II, one of the worst kings of Israel. And Jonah was basically paid to tell the king what the king wanted to hear. Jonah was this corrupt prophet that refused to give bad prophecies. And he was called out for it by Amos, actually, in that story. So Jonah is this corrupt guy who, you know, maybe doesn't really care that much about what God is telling him. He just wants a nice paycheck from the king. So this is the person that God calls to deliver this message to Nineveh, the message of judgment. And when Jonah hears that this is what God wants to do, he's like, no way, I am not doing that. In fact, I don't like that plan so much. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to Spain instead of Syria, Assyria. So that's where Jonah goes. He boards this ship to get away and hopes, maybe he's thinking, hopefully God will just forget about this. Maybe he'll choose someone else. I'm done with it. But come on, Jonah. Don't you know that if when God has a plan, God is going to make sure that plan happens? That you can't just stop something that God wants to do. When God calls you to do something, he's going to make sure that it actually happens. Because you can't stop God's plan. And so, as a response to Jonah sinning against God, to going in the complete opposite direction, God sends this storm, a really violent storm, that the Bible says threatens to break up the ship. And that actually seems like a little, a little bit of an extreme measure. Maybe couldn't there have been a different way to get Jonah right back on course? But regardless, God uses this extreme measure to turn Jonah back towards him. It's not, it is a punishment for Jonah's sins, for not following God, what God had for him. But it's more than that. It's God's way to get Jonah back on the path that God called him to. Because Jonah does not want to be a part of God's plan at all. Because what God is calling Jonah to do is actually really hard. Let's think about this for a second. God asked Jonah, this corrupt, this corrupt prophet who maybe didn't care all that much about, you know, his religious beliefs, his convictions. He was just more concerned about a paycheck. God calls Jonah to deliver a message of judgment. Hard enough. I imagine a lot of prophets preferred having messages of grace and hope. They didn't like to do judgment ones. Maybe a few of them did, but they are probably the weird ones. But that's hard enough. But on top of that, God is asking Jonah to preach a message of judgment to Nineveh, which happens to be the capital of Assyria, which at that time was the biggest, the baddest, the most violent, the scariest nation on the face of the earth. These people were brutal. They would cut off people's heads in battle and they would like pile them up to show people their victories. This is where God wants Jonah to go, to give a message of, of judgment. And Jonah's thinking, no way. I wasn't even that good of a prophet in the first place. 
This is way too hard of a calling, God. And I think the call that God has on our lives is hard too. We can relate a little bit to Jonah, not as much, but a little bit, because God calls us to do hard things too. God's calling to love him and to love our neighbor. When we get down to it, it can actually be very hard to do, especially in times like now, when tensions are high. It can be hard to love our neighbors when we're spending way more time with them in our house than we ever thought we would. When the person who, you know, in our family is the annoying chewer, is the annoying eater, is spending three meals a day, and we have to listen to them. It can be, and we're spending far more time with our family than we ever had hoped we wanted to. It can be hard to love our neighbors when they're on our nerves for the past few weeks, and they're asking what to do because they're bored. Because guess what? We're all bored. And so it can be hard to love our neighbor when times are tense and it's stressful and we're stretched thin. It can be hard to love our neighbor when we're feeling so alone and we just, we think, I just selfishly want to do something. I want someone to be around here to ask me how I'm doing. Spending way more time alone than we ever thought we would. See, in these tents, in these difficult times, it reminds us that actually we're pretty bad at following God's call for our lives in general. We have a natural tendency to not love God and to not love our neighbor. Because maybe because our neighbors are annoying, but also because our society, what we're told from our culture is to focus on yourself. Find your fulfillment in your work. Try to make a ton of money. Money is the most important thing. Oh, you're not at school? Oh, try to find a different way to to show off to all your friends, to show your social status. Because what really matters is you. You're the most important person and what you want to do. And I get it. I want to... I just sometimes want to focus on myself. I think of like, ugh, I'm so bored. I want to go outside. I want to do the normal stuff. Why do I have to worry about other people getting sick? I'm, I, I'm, I'm the most important person, right? And I think, and I, I, God, I think God knows how difficult it can be to do the things that he calls us to do. Specifically with with Jonah, I'm sure God understood that this was not an easy thing to ask. But that's why God is willing to use such extreme measures to bring about his calling, the plans that he has, to, to support the people who he calls. He's willing to go to extreme measures and use some crooked, corrupt prophet in order to share his message with the people of Nineveh. And he's willing to go to extreme measures all throughout the Bible. If you start from from Genesis and just keep reading, you'll see countless times where God uses these extreme measures 
to get people to follow him, to turn around and follow the plan, the call he has on their lives. Whether it's bringing his people out of Egypt and parting the Red Sea, sustaining them with bread from heaven in the wilderness, making it so that they have a a land where they can call their own. Or that God sends in foreign invaders to take them out of that land. But he eventually brings those people back to be with him. God is using extreme measures all throughout the Bible to bring about his plan and to get people to follow his call. And Jonah's no exception. The story of Jonah, which, come to think of it, a ship, or a dangerous storm that threatens to break apart the ship, isn't even the most extreme measure in this story yet. And God is using these extreme measures to share his plan and to turn those he calls back to following him. So it begs the question, and some of you might be asking, well, Chad, what's what's this extreme measure that God goes to in my life? Well, I, I can't speak to everyone specifically, but I know generally that God uses the most extreme measure to get us to follow him, to join in with the call he has on, his, on our lives. And this most, the most extreme measure is the, that God would be born as a baby, would grow up to be an awkward human teenager, would then grow up to become an adult who goes around healing people, calling people to join into God's calling to love God and love their neighbor, to spread the message of grace, and that God would then be willing to die on a cross to save us from our sins, and that he would raise, would become resurrected, come back from the dead, to set us free from sin and evil so that we can live into God's call. You see, God uses extreme measures. He used the most extreme measure to get us to follow him, to follow the call he has on our lives. Becoming a human, dying and rising again, I don't think of anything more extreme hate to spoil it, you know, being swallowed by a fish, not as extreme as dying and rising again. And so God uses these extreme measures. He uses this specific one, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the most extreme measure, to continue to point us back, point us back to to have us turn and follow him. You know, every, every week, some of us every day, we're reminded of this extreme measure that Jesus would die and, come and rise again to save us, to save you and me. You see, every week in church, what do we do? We come to worship him. We take time to confess our sins, to, rem- to, to share with God how we have not lived up to the call. He calls us to love him and love our neighbors. And like Jonah, we actually turn around and we do the opposite. 
And so we come to Him and we share that and ask for His forgiveness. But then, of course, afterwards, we're reminded that God has already used the most extreme measure to call us back, to to turn us around and bring us back to Him. That He died on the cross and rose again to save us from our sins so that we can live into the call He has for us, so that we can turn and do that 180 and we can, have, we can live in a godly way. We can follow the call to love our neighbors and love God. Every day, every week, we remind ourselves of the most extreme measure that God took in order for us to join and follow him. Would you please pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, we often do the opposite. Whether we realize it or not, we do the opposite of what you call us to do, the calling on our lives to love you and to love others. Because it's hard. It's hard, especially now. It's probably harder than it's ever been right now. But Lord, we're so thankful that you used the most extreme measure, that you offered yourself in our place, died on the cross, rose again and set us free from sin and evil so that we can join in with the call that you have on our lives. Turn us back to you today, Lord. Help us to do a better job this week than we did last week. And thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to remind us of this and to call us back to it every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.